Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My name is Ivoma Okoro. You are listening to Vega, a sci-fi adventure podcast. And episode 9 starts right now. Last time we connected, you were introduced to an important member of Vega's hunting team. That is her data guy, Dan X. Foley. And we watched your favorite little huntress coerce that poor sap into finding more details on the terrorist that she's not even supposed to be tracking right now, by the way. And what'd you think? We were just going to watch her slowly piece together this investigation over the rest of the season? My God, that would have been so boring. No, I spoiled it. Because it's time to get to the action, right? Oh, and also last time I introduced you to a new narrative voice, one that's a little rougher around the edges than you're used to. I could explain, but honestly, I already did. So instead of me wasting my breath, you can suffer through the rewind from last week, and I'll, uh, take it from there. Up until now, I've been so fun, haven't I? If you don't think so, you're about to. Because the way I'm about to talk to you... The way I have to tell this next part, you're going to be begging for the old me. I won't apologize, but I can tell you why. Because all the notes change when you put down the clarinet and pick up a machete. That was a metaphor, genius. I am using a different tone of voice to talk to you murder horny mongrels from a different point of view. So remember, as we jump into the head of the guy that you wanted to see hang that contempt that you hear, that's not coming from me. It was pain. We're in the room now, and a voice, Milo's voice, interrupts racing thoughts. Milo is beside him, him being Zaxby, sitting on a couch adjacent and also very busy not watching this Conquest game. And if you're wondering what Conquest is, tough titties. Better luck with Vega's narration. Milo's also dressed in his passing ceremony white, and for the first time since he's returned from the healing house, there's an expression besides despondency on his face. Okay, then. It's anger. Finally. There's anger there, made even more intense by the red rims around his swollen eyes. What's up, my Zaxby says. 
He was in pain. Milo isn't looking at him. The kid's still facing the screen. One of his slender fingers digging into the hole in the armrest he's only just created. He's staring daggers at the carpet, the hard line of his mouth twitching. What to say to him? Maybe, I don't know, Milo. It was quick. Your father might not have even known it was happening. No, not him. The terrorist. And Zaxby doesn't know what to do with that because, of course, Milo's talking about him. Can you imagine how much pain you'd have to be in to treat other people so oh, sick? It was sad. My father would have thought it was sad that this whoever he was didn't have more people who treated him kindly. That he felt he had to do something like this for people to notice him. My father would have noticed him. My father would have been kind to him. Your father was a very kind man, but the world is a harsh place and there are some cracks that even kindness cannot mend. Do you understand what I mean by that, Milo? I bet you're like Milo, listener. I bet you don't know shit about the world, do you? I couldn't care less what you have to say about where you grew up. If you're alive, it was a paradise. Be grateful, because where Zaxby's from, let me just say you're looking at one of three. Who made it out alive, I mean, keep up. Now I know you don't want to hear about this because who wants to hear a lecture about third world genocide in the middle of their fancy adventure podcast? Yawn, skip, take you back to the murder you signed up for, right? Okay, fine. But these next words, listener, they aren't just for Milo's benefit. I see them, Milo. Zaxby leans toward the kid, ignoring the sharp pain that shoots through his side. Milo frowns as he looks back, but he's listening. Good. People will listen to anything when they're hurting. Let what they hear be something true. I see the cracks. They run through everything, and one day they will grow so wide, they will split everything we know into pieces. And all anyone can do is look out for their peace. This is a lot. This is intense. Saxby's aware. This kid's whole world just turned upside down. Is it really helpful to be going full apocalyptic on him? Yes, because it's better he knows. Who else is going to say these things? Who else was going to show him a better way than the narrow, intolerant one that the minds of privilege have shaped for him? Let me tell you something. Of all the Batraxans Zaxby has met in his year and a half in this place. Very few had made him rethink his views on whether these people, whose lives were built entirely on imperialism and the subjugation of others, could see themselves for what they were. Milo was one of those few. Though he came from one of the most honored families of the most powerful nation in the world, somehow this lion had turned out to be a lamb and had managed to craft a sense of self that didn't center on his being better than. There was real hope for this kid, is what Zaxby would say, and he knew he was taking a risk thinking that. He knew he was even taking a risk still even being here, but what did it matter, really? Whether he left yesterday or tomorrow, he had already gotten away with it. They were all too consumed in their own grief to ask any more questions. Nobody had any notion of suspecting him now, too. Easy. Honestly, he didn't want to jinx anything, but he couldn't help thinking that this had all been way too... And right on cue, a woman has stepped into the room. 
It's curious that Zaxby feels a sudden sense of dread at her appearance, given the fact that he has no idea who that is. But you do, listener. And I know you've been waiting for this. She holds her arms out to Milo, unnecessary. The kid has already abandoned Zaxby, halfway across the room before she's even reaching for him. They embrace. Milo buries himself in her and past his stooped shoulder, all Zaxby can see of this woman are those eyes. They're closed when Milo embraces her, but then, as one does, she opens them. She looks at him. And I swear, it's just a look, just a blink. Babies out of the womb have offered more to write about than this, so why does Zaxby feel a heat flushing through his skin? What's with the sudden sweat prickling under his arms? In his chest, he feels his heart fighting against the walls that are tightening around it. A very loud something is telling Zaxby that a very bad thing has just started to happen, and he definitely should have left yesterday. Why though? Why? Let's take a step back, shall we? Zaxby, what are the facts? Who is she? You know. Milo's reaction had said it all, but that face. You remember her face? From the photos, her mother had been relentless with those photos, and Milo had been relentless with all the stories, all the quips, the never-ending anecdotes about his little scene, but oh, so beloved, fabled older cousin, well, that had to be her, Vega. I'm sorry, Milo says into her shoulder, trying his best to pull himself together. It's okay. Is it? No, she's right. It is, because she doesn't know Zaxby. She doesn't even know Zaxby. She doesn't know anything about him, only what she's heard. He's just some stranger in her home right now. That's why she's looking at him like that, right? This is just a normal, everyday case of stranger danger. Gosh, (laughs) I'm so sorry. I don't mean to be like this. They told me you were in a coma. In the holy city, she turns her gaze to Milo as they pull away from each other, and it's like she's a different person. For him, her eyes are warm, sad. No, 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 no. Uh, It was a medically induced cryostasis. They just had to have me all the way out while they finished scraping the chunks of my brain off the inside of my skull. As you can see, the procedure was a success. The humor brings some life back into Milo. Oh, good. Glad to hear that. Though sad to see this procedure did nothing for your personality or these terrible jokes of yours. But who are we kidding? You never really use your brain to tell jokes. I'm pretty sure you just reach down and pull those right out of your ass. Ah, watch that mouth, little man. There's a lady present. And you have a guest. Her eyes flicker back to Zaxby. Milo has the nerve to look surprised when he turns around like he's just remembered Zaxby's existence. Oh, Yeah, I forget, you guys haven't actually met. Zaxby, this is my cousin that I've been telling you about. This is Vega. Zaxby fixes his mouth. He sets it into a soft smile, projecting a deferent friendliness, something he hopes is just the right amount of charm for so strange an occasion to meet. Nice to finally meet you, Vega, though I am sorry for the circumstances. My name is- Oh, I know who you are. Mm. So she's foregoing the polite formalities then. Got it. Zaxby Genre. 
Milo's new best friend. She pronounces the name like she's passing it around inside her mouth, tasting around for something foul. Yeah, that's Sax. Milo notices the vibe. Milo notices all vibes, but he's got more pressing questions. But Vega, what happened to you? For real? Your dad said he saw you by the door when the bombs went off, but we were all way closer to any of them. How'd you come out more banged up than any of us, Sax being me included? You guys watching the game? Her gaze lands on the screen now. Her tone wasn't barbed in the least, but for obvious reasons, it has that effect. Oh, yeah, yeah, just, you know, watching the game. Milo is getting all sheepish now. There must be something very interesting on the ground because now he's studying it. It never ceased to amaze Zaxby how every emotion that went through this kid bubbled to the surface as clear as day. He might as well have been made of glass for all his transparency. I'm not exactly sure why now. Uh, I, I, I know I should have been out there with everyone, and I wanted to. I was really, I was going to. It's just that, can I join you? Everything inside Zaxby wills a no, say no, Milo, but Milo's mind doesn't get the message. He nods, and when he turns around and wipes his eyes, Zaxby sees the remnants of relief on his face. The cousins approach. Vega chooses her seat. It's the sofa on the other side of the living room, and Milo, like the obedient little lapdog that he is, joins her there. Across the room, Zaxby sits alone, turning back to the game. He trains his eyes on the screen, but if he wasn't watching it before, he for damn sure isn't watching it now. So this is Cousin Vega. He didn't like her. It didn't feel right for her to be here. Wait, what was he thinking? It's not right for him to be here, and the flight he'd booked wasn't leaving until tomorrow morning. But if he left for the Skyport now, maybe he could purchase a ticket there and catch anything tonight that was heading east and just figure it out from there. What excuse could he make to the Rexes about his sudden departure? A, a family thing? A new assignment? Maybe he could just slip away without saying goodbye and phone them later. It didn't matter. The seconds were sliding by like hours now, and every one of them felt off. He suddenly felt foolish. Why had he convinced himself to indulge the desires of this fickle boy? He didn't owe this kid anything. Not really. And look at him. He would have been fine to deal with this with his family. The return of his precious cousin had pretty much rendered Zaxby invisible. Well, that wasn't exactly true. Zaxby could feel the eyes on him from across the room. Vega's watching, inspecting. Did he mention he did not like her? And what was this effect she had? He felt the need to quiet his thoughts, but it's not like she could read his mind. It's not like she knows. He had to compose himself. To answer your question, Vega interrupts his thoughts about where I was the night of the attack. Actually, is it okay? If we talk about this, she's addressing Zaxby. Milo asks, I just want to make sure it's okay with you before we just get into it. In the four days since that night had passed, it was the first time anybody in the family had even wanted to talk about it, let alone refer to it so bluntly as the attack. So really this whole time it had been so easy not to think about it as one. It was almost like Jackson had disappeared in some terrible accident. One of those freakish but unavoidable disasters that rock the world from time to time. It had been easier for Zaxby to show his sympathy, thinking of it that way. And only his nightmares, slinking to him unbidden behind his closed eyes, had the nerve to remind him otherwise. He forces himself to nod. Please. I arrived in the night, she begins. Even as I was walking up to the chap, I could hear the Tyvek drums from inside. I know that was late, like right before it happened. She squeezes Milo's leg, like right before 
Yeah, my dad did see me. I stood in the door for a moment to find you guys. I didn't see you, though. I didn't see your dad. Didn't even see Zaxby, for that matter. He hadn't seen her either. Of course, he had had other things on his mind during that fateful performance. Jackson had only been standing 15 feet away, getting ready for his big reveal. At the end of their set, the Tyvexes were supposed to split the ranks of their drum brigade to reveal the priest, conducting electricity from his convection orbs, already glowing from the sacred flow of invisible electrons in and around him. It was supposed to be a dazzling, zipping light show, the kind only a priest of Jackson's caliber could pull off. Zaxby could only see the back of Jackson's head from where the man was crouching, but he could tell, even from the back, how focused he was. Zaxby had been focused too. And next to him, Milo could barely stay in his seat from giddiness. I was looking straight at the family when the bombs went off. I will never forget how loud they were. So loud it felt like every wall in the chap was coming down. So loud that for a moment Zaxby felt that he might have accidentally killed himself along with them. Everything was dizziness, confusion, chaos. But then, there had been a flash. A streak of blue lightning. Maybe it was Jackson. A reflexive offshoot of his suspended light show, maybe it had been Saivo himself, some sort of warning that the presence of a god was there. Whatever it was, it didn't matter. In that moment, it was all the reminder Zaxby needed. Once he pulled that mask on, he could see everything. And it was automatic from there. I ran into the smoke when everyone was running away. I knelt on the ground. There were white robes in my hands. I saw him, Milo. The shooter. I saw the shooter. There was no other way to think of it. It sounds silly, but time had been like a mighty slinky. Each moment, a coil, industrial strength, linked to the next, stretched to their limits, held taut, stuck, trembling there with the maddening compulsion, the naked knee to snap back. And before Zaxby could even begin to wrap his mind around what he had done, right there in the smoke in the fire, it did. Every faded smell, every stinging synaptic signal of his nerves, every harried breath pushed into the mask at his mouth, slammed right back into him, and he had to rip the thing from his face to let out the burning bile that came spewing back out. He had never known a feeling like that. Terror in the body, the enormity of what he had done swirling around him in whirls of smoke and dark debris, making him feel smaller and weaker than any horrible thing that he had ever done or had ever been done to him in the 22 years of his pitiful existence. And she had seen that. Is that why this woman, looking at him with those half-lidded eyes, seemed to him to possess the most repulsive kind of beauty? Was it his shame, 
prickling heart up his neck that made her seem so imperious? Or did she really have the face of a hundred foot sphinx? Every feature hewn by the steady work of uncountable hands, generations of laborers who had etched into every line their mistakable intent, a message to the eye of any foreign traveler that may wander into this nobler country. These are the faces of kings. These are the mighty ones. Here we stand, closer to the gods than you could ever dream. Was that why, even as this woman sat ten feet across the room, it seemed to Zaxby as though she was some deity looking down on a small, worthless thing hundreds of feet in the distance? He came so close that I could hear the crunch of his boots. I could see the black of his mask. I heard the whisper of his prayer. Long live Animus. Not his face then. Not his shame then. She had seen his moment after. The final phase. The act that would take him from man to myth, goon to god, if he survived. She had seen him after he pulled his mask back on, as he was taking his final steps to glory. Long live Animus. That's right. Hadn't he said it? Hadn't he given the spirit of Animus his honor? Hadn't he been selfless in the moment of crisis? Hadn't he been brave? I saw him set his gun to self-destruct. The blast almost killed me. Almost. Hadn't he done everything required? What nobody else in the history of the world could say they had done. He had pulled off the greatest god slave there has ever been, and he had survived. It was his destiny to do so. It was his destiny for everything to work in his favor. There had been obstacles from the moment he had stepped into Petraxis, but he had overcome them all because he was meant for this. Why would he worry now? He was a god now. He can't fail. And that's all she wrote for episode nine. The story continues on the next episode of the podcast or via the storytelling album. If you're interested, the album is a curated experience that keeps you in the story instead of pulling you out from week to week like the episodes do, though either method of listening will give you the same exact content. You can head over to my website, evomentelstories.com, for links to purchasing that album if you'd like to see your options to buy. If you want to financially support the next season of the show, you can head over to my Patreon to read more about how you can do just that. That will also be linked down below in the show notes for your convenience. Special thanks to Dusty Hall, who did all the music in this episode. To my Patreon producing partners, Caitlin Hines, Eric Stelflug, and Rob Rossi. And to my consulting producer, Chad Ellis. As always, I appreciate your listenership. There are a lot of things you could have done just now with your time. I hold it as a special privilege that you choose to spend it listening to me. Please keep listening. Please stay safe, drink water, wear your mask, and fight oppression. And I will see you on the next episode of Vega, a sci-fi adventure podcast. Goodbye. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.
The buyer awaits your decision, poised as one both ready for a fight and assured of its outcome. I'll have that relic now. Thaco, pretty boy, have more healing. We gonna need it. You guys might. One of you dies and I'm running for it. So don't. We'll have to use every advantage and we've not many left. So I'm confused. Uh, what am I supposed to say to him? Marcus, it's a role-playing game. Right. So you're this holy guy, Benedict. Right. And he's just joined this adventuring party. Right. Why? Because we needed someone to heal us and not ask questions. Dumb! What? Any reason you want, Marcus. That's the great thing about this game. You can be anyone you want. Do anything you want for any reason, so long as it's true to your character. Cool. I totally got this. Uh, Wait, but... This artifact belongs to my church, and as such, I cannot part with it for any price. (laughs) Uh, what did I say? Kill them all! The Ordinary Epic, a podcast series about the extraordinary, the ordinary, and something in between. Listen now at theordinaryepic.com or on your favorite podcast app.